Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside my favorite sidekick, Mr. Kevin Langley. Hi. Of course, our great co-host, Savannah Dean, cannot make it. She is away for the next couple of episodes. Her picks will still come in, and I will still prove why I'm better than both of these two. It's not even close. Hey, have we had an article yet about our picks? Or? You know what? I, that's on me. I will admit that. So this week we will get it done. I will write my picks up actually probably Thursday because I have to drive down. The, I have to sit in a truck on the way to Central Jersey. So that's going to be fun. Three Gross. hours, three and a half hours down, three and a half hours back, two-hour unload, minimum. So, yeah, it's going to be a nice uh, job, but uh, your boy actually just applied for a job at TikTok. So, if for some reason, TikTok hears this, put it through. You uh, should hire him. He's great. I am great. I love the app. Ask Kevin. I'm obsessed with it. Oh, he sends me stuff from TikTok all the time. <laughs> it's funny, though. You can't hate on that it shit. It is funny. Exactly. It's a great. It's a great app. I love it. It's almost. It, it, it is a very good consolation prize from Vine. But we have NFL headlines today. TikTok sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, we'll, dude, we'll plug your app like every five minutes. Um, pretty much a very NFL heavy show today, and except for a few college headlines later. Uh, but baseball is coming to a close, so you know we have a couple of big games coming up in my Diamondbacks. Went from being right in the thick of the wild card race to basically praying to God that everyone loses and they win all their games. But same. That would, oh God. Um. Yeah, your Red Sox are screwed. Uh. But yeah. you guys won the title last year, so it's okay. But first off, why can Boston fans never get a break? Jeez. <laughs> because the Red Sox now making the playoffs this year is the first time a Boston team hasn't made the playoffs since uh. I think it was the Bruins like five years ago. Uh, no. I don't it think was it was five ja- years ago. Our, uh, our coworker Jackson shared that. So, and I thought, I'm like, thank God it was the Red Sox who missed it first. I don't think it was five years ago, but it was like the Bruins recently. Yeah, More recently right. than that. Uh, switching over. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, of course, the big headline this morning was dealt. It happened last night around 830 uh, was dealt to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a first-round pick, and they swapped late-round picks as well. 
basically, I don't get the move because Big Ben's going to be out for the season. Uh, the Steelers were inept with Big Ben, and now they are garbage without Big Ben. And all this does is it makes their defense disgusting. But, I mean, I love Mason Rudolph. He's the boy. But at best, there's going to be a 7-9 team. Because that, that, it's going to be – oh, the Ravens are good. Oy. What do you think of the move, Kev? Um, from Pittsburgh's standpoint, it makes sense. Having a Next great – having a great defense kind of can – help hide a poor offense. I mean, just look at the 2000 Ravens and the 2013, 2014, I mean, Denver team. If you have a great defense, 15. what? 2015. Uh, it was 2015. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. If you can, if you have a great defense, you can kind of hide some of an offense's inability to do it, to get score, move the ball. Well, so I get it from their standpoint, and also, he's a good young defender. It's not like when Big Ben comes back next year, you've missed Minka's window. I don't. I cannot see Minka Fitzpatrick being happy with this move, though. He was saying he wanted. He clearly wanted to win. Wanted to win soon, and now, even though he's young, so by going from the Dolphins to the Steelers, like yes, the Steelers are a better team than the Dolphins, but they're still not in a position to win right now. I don't think they're going to win a lot going forward. Because you have, like, look at what the AFC's lined up. I'm just going to quickly put this before we move on to the other defensive back asking to be moved. Basically, um, you look at the AFC AFC in, a to- in total. You have Mahomes, Brady, Patriots, and Chiefs are going to be good for a long time. Then you go out wet, and then you go uh, down south. You've got Deshaun Watson. Then you go just in the, in the north. You have to deal with Baker Mayfield because – Eventually, the Browns are going to figure this out. Ain't going to be this year, but they're going to figure it out. You have to deal with Lamar Jackson, who that Ravens team is disgusting, and John Harbaugh is a much better coach than people give him credit for. And then you have the Jets, who as much as they're a joke, they're a meme right now. We'll talk about last night's game in a little bit. That team's got a good core. That team's one bad. That team's another decent free agent period and another good draft class away from being a contender. So, if I'm the Steelers, your window is almost closed unless they get like unless they, well they trade away their first round pick. So unless they get like a young quarterback for free agency or they make a trade or something, I don't see where this or or if like Mason Rudolph turns out to be the next like Nick Foles like. Dude, I don't see this being a good idea for – I don't see this being a good situation. I think Minka is pissed. I completely I, agree. I think, though, it's – at least they traded for a good young talent. They didn't trade for an aging safety. And with Minka, yes, he's probably happier than he would be in Miami. And you can build around him. Their defense is already has the pieces. And I think it's a good move for the Steelers because, yeah, like they don't have a first-round pick. If they want to get a quarterback of the future, they can do that in the second or third round, or even the fifth round if Jalen Hurts falls that far. If they want to pick up a better wide receiver, someone who can get some distraction off Juju, they can do that in the second round. I think it's a really good move for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it, it's as good as it's going to be. I mean, I still think they should have done – I think they should finally get back in the first round of the draft because they need to get a quarterback in the first two rounds, man, because – Big Ben, that dude's body is about to start falling apart. This is I feel like this is the beginning of more injuries with him. So 
from one dif- disgruntled defensive back to another in the state of Florida, ironically, uh, Jalen Ramsey has requested to be traded after the dispute he got in with Doug Marone on the sideline. Now, it is don't just think this is one incident. Apparently, according to multiple sources, including Will Silva of NFL Network, basically it's become Jalen Ramsey. For those of you who don't really know who he is. He's the best man-to-man corner in the league, as in he covers one receiver, follows him around for the entire play, and he is damn good at his job. Like He's probably one of the best man-to-man corners we've seen in probably the last decade and a half. But he's got a mouth on him. He's definitely He definitely fits the mold of the talking, like chirping cornerback, but he's so good at his job, it's okay. He doesn't get in trouble off the field. He just talks a lot on it. The Jaguars are switching over to a very zone man hybrid scheme, which is instead of covering one man, they cover an area, zone coverage. Basically, Jalen Ramsey isn't fit for that. He can do it. He just doesn't want to. He wants to be the man-to-man shutdown corner. And this just boiled over when him and Doug Marone got in a screen match on the sideline, and now he wants to be traded. Some of the teams involved are the Philadelphia Eagles, New England Patriots, Oakland Raiders, Houston Texans. Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys have already said they are out. So, yeah. Um, I am I am ecstatic. I am really hoping Jalen can come to Philly. I mean, his one of his good buddies, Ronald Darby, Nigel Bradham, and Timmy Jurgen, all ex-FSU players and all play with him on the national title team, play um, are on the Philadelphia Eagles starting defense. Hopefully... That has some sway for it, but yeah, no, I just, he's 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 so valuable. And now Nick Foles is gone. I just don't see them unless Gardner can like find some magic and win him a game, a couple games until Foles comes back like week nine, week ten. I just don't see this Jaguars team even making a run at the playoffs. So I understand why uh, Ramsey's frustrated. I really do. I I think I agree with you. I think Jalen. While I disagree with him getting into an argument with Marone, whatever it was about, I think you have to remain more calm in those situations. But I can see him wanting to be out of Jacksonville. It was rumored he wanted to be out in the past. And But I think of all the teams that you listed that are going for him, the Texans are out. You, He's still a young corner. You don't want to face him twice a year. As much as I would love to see it, the Patriots should be out because the Jaguars look at the Patriots and go, you guys – are going to dominate this year, probably win another ring. We're not giving you Jalen Ramsey, regardless of what you offer us, yeah. unless it's Tom Brady. And I think as much as it pains me to say this, the Eagles should be the front runner. He also is like a big fan of Carson Wentz, which I find interesting. Well, uh, yeah, but like you said, like he's a fan of Carson Wentz and all his former FSU teammates are on the Eagles. That doesn't matter. It, it's where the Jaguars want to put him. And the Jaguars don't play Philly. Yeah, and that's why I think Jacks. Uh, that's why I think Philly's the front runner because it's the NFC East. You're not going to. You will Every, have to play him, but it doesn't matter because you're not going to play him that much. They won't have to play him again for three years. Yeah, so I think they should be trying to get a deal done with the Eagles. Also, Howie Roseman is arguably the best general manager in football. He's up there. He, I think his like only rivals really are like Belichick. Um, I just like, you know, I, I mean, I guess I could throw the guy from, uh, you know, it's so funny. You don't even, I guess I can throw, um, 
what's his name? Les Need from uh, New, um, from L.A. I'm a big fan of his, too. The problem is with general managers, a lot of these guys are seen, not heard. But the reason I know High Roseman, to, to back up my claim here, the guy took Chip Kelly's dumpster fire in 2015 and flipped it to a Super Bowl title in a season and a half. Which I mean, might be the most impressive thing ever in football. Yeah, basically. He found Wentz. Basically, he, he's like, you know what? I want Wentz. And, okay, there you go. He re- brings back Nick Foles. Instead of going after uh, overpaying for receivers, he goes, let me give Alshon Jeffrey a prove-it deal. Now Jeffrey's a lifer in Philadelphia. He's probably going to retire here because he loves the damn city. Goes back and gets to Sean Jackson for a bargain from the Buccaneers. He goes. He gets, never should have been out of Philly in the first place. Oh, yeah, that was just because Chip Kelly's a racist Napoleonic little dink. But basically his reason for cutting Jackson is because he said Jackson had gang ties. One, Jackson's from Crenshaw District Compton. He's one of his best friends growing up with Nipsey Hussle, a known crip. Yes, that's true, but that's no reason to cut a guy. Didn't he say the same thing about LaShawn McCoy, too? Yeah, I don't know. I think also, I just, I felt like, but he kept Josh Huff, who got busted for basically having a gang pulled over on a bridge with an illegal gun in his car. Like, jeez. Yeah, like, Chip Kelly's logic behind his trades were stupid. That also, I call that the dark year. Basically, um, it's like, you know, the year that there was like no players I actually rooted for. Like, oh, yeah, there's DeMarco Murray. I guess I could root for, oh, no, he's kind of a, a tool. And then, you know, you got Connor Barwin. I guess Brandon Graham was still there. Cox was still there. But, like, there was no real, like, player I actually rooted for. And then they go out and, like, they draft, like, half of my favorite players in, like, one, in like back-to-back drafts or free agency. So, yeah, no, High Rosen's a good GM. I really think that if anybody can get a deal done with Jacksonville before this week – I mean, he wouldn't be able to play against Green against uh, Detroit, but against Green Bay though, he'd be able to play. We play them next Thursday, so me and Savannah might actually get into a screen match over text message. Uh, no, bring it on the podcast. Content. She is on our vacation, homie. Ah, oh, jeez. It's all right. Uh, I think uh, Derek Barnett wants a little Aaron Rodgers for his uh, dinner that night. I mean, he already owns Dak Prescott. He might as well own Aaron Rodgers too. All right, those are two very, very different levels of talent. At least you acknowledge it. All right. Talent-level quarterbacks. That's Well, yes, hopefully Jalen Ramsey is moved by the end of tomorrow. I'm today being Tuesday. Uh, I just I want to see him go. I think Philly needs the corner. I, if he goes to New England, I'm just going to mail the season in, basically. Oh, that'd be beautiful, though. Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> God, I can't even deal with that. All right. It can't ha- it's not going to happen, but I can dream. All right, basically, next up, we see in the AFC East, Daniel Jones has been officially named the starting quarterback of the New York Giants over Eli Manning. <laughs> I am just, I don't know how I feel about this. Because as an Eagles fan, I'm like, ah. As the guy who also ripped the living hell out of Daniel Jones and had a Duke professor or fan or something, like, rip me over Twitter for about two hours one night. And I just come home from the bar, so I had a way too many beers and got out of the Uber, saw that I had a couple messages on my phone on Twitter, and started going at this guy back and forth. He clearly was going at some things I was too inebriated to figure out. 
And if I just, you know what, I was wrong. I might have been wrong about Daniel Jones. But here's the one saving grace. He looked great in the preseason. And the New York Giants, I mean, technically they play a minor league team this week in the Tampa Bay sucking ears anyway. So, who uh, are just bad, even though they won on Thursday. You know, the NFL is so bad this year. There's like 10 contenders, and then there's just 20 feet of crap, two middle road teams, another 80 feet of crap, and then there's like the bottom 10. It's actually pretty funny. But basically, yeah, so the Giants, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think it's still going to go 3-13, and 4-12. and 12. Jones might actually win them a game or two, but they are bad. They are really bad. I just – the the timing surprised me, though. I thought bye week possibly. Yeah, I think I like the move, actually, because Daniel Jones is probably a bit more athletic just because he's younger. But that, what he can do, Eli can probably <laughs> also do. I think it's it's looking towards the future because they're not going to win this year. They have to know that. And so it's more so seeing what Daniel Jones can do for them next year, two years, five years from now, and getting him the development. If they got in his head, hey, we're going to suck this year. Do not let it wreck your confidence. That is, is going to show really how Daniel Jones' uh, mentality is. Yeah. And I think, luckily for the Giants, they benched Eli for Geno Smith a couple years ago because their coach was an idiot and broke his— No, he's a genius. And and broke his consecutive game streak because if that was not broken, now I think it would be a much harder decision if they were going to start Daniel Jones or not. Yeah, I mean— that whole roster is that whole organization is very beholden to uh, what's it called to uh, the Manning family. But at this point, I think this is just Pat Shermer. Shout out, he was the saving light of that Chip Kelly season when he was the interim head coach for us. But um, basically. It's just that that's just a bad. It's just you know it's just a bad situation for now. That defense, Kev, you and me can start as linebackers on the defense. It's that bad. Well, I don't know if I'm tall enough. Maybe a cornerback. I mean, are you fast enough for that? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I mean those are the Dak Prescott shredded them. So I mean, anything's possible. All right. Last up for the headlines for what's on tap. My football is last night. The the. Cleveland Browns handily defeated the half-hobbled New York Jets. Uh, Odell Beckham broke off a 89-yarder. You had him making another insane one-handed catch, rocking a $1 million watch. And you had Miles Garrett basically crushing Trevor Simeon. But I'm going to make a point here. And Kev, uh, do you have anything to comment about this game before I go on my rant? Um, Patriots are going to win their division for the eighth year in a row or nope, 11th year in a row. Well said, (laughs) basically the jets at one point were only down 16 to six and driving Le'Veon Bell gets a first down. Yes. I I am taking this point right. Colin Collard's playbook because I saw the same exact play. Le'Veon Bell fails to get the first down. And now the jets have the punt. Basically, at that point, it was a one-score ball game. 
And to a team that was hyped up to be a Super Bowl contender that had so much hype on them from the second Yoda back and Trey went down to now. Oh my God. You don't know how good this, like this is not good at all. I mean, the offensive line is the biggest issue to me and they're all flash. There's no grit grime to it. And there's a whole line and the Cowboys follow this. Eagles follow this. Patriots follow this. Even to a certain extent, the Chiefs follow this. Basically, and I just had a correction. It was 16 to three with the G- with the Jets driving, and they could have either scored, or gotten a field goal. If they scored, it's 16-10, and it's a one-score game, or it's 16-6, and it's a two-score. It, it doesn't matter. The, the Cleveland Browns should have blown the Jets out last night, missing C.J. Mosley, missing the starting tight end, and also missing just their starting quarterback. So basically, Cleveland Browns are going to go 7-9 this year. I looked at their schedule. They're going to win six. They're next. They're going to they're going to win six, and they're going to lose another eight. Basically, this is just they're, they're not they're not going to beat the teams. Their schedule is not easy at all. Two of their wins are going to be the Bengals, and I got generous and said they're going to beat the Steelers twice. I don't even know if that's going to happen. So I don't know. I think the Browns are going to need to really get at, at their offensive line in the offseason, or else this is not going to work. Yeah. No. The I was way too high on the Browns. It's I can see them winning a lot of games like this. I don't think they're going to I think games that might be close like the Titans game last week. Though that game might have been close. It could have been a blow up, but it was probably the Titans were probably going to play up to the Browns. I think games that are going to be close and the Browns should win, they're going to lose, and games the Browns should blow out a team, they're going to win but not as well not looking as good as we all expected them to. I completely agree. I it just, you know what the problem is to me with this team is they, how do you get guys like Jarvis Landry? And I mean, Nick Chubb was great last night. I'm not going to, I'm not going to front. Nick Chubb was great, but basically how do you get Landry? You get Joe and yes, like Odell had a ton of catches, but, I'm just amazed they didn't get landed the ball last night. It just felt like the 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 team just feels very it feels very dream team Eagles to me. By 2011, Vic McCoy, uh, Cullen Jenkins, uh, Nam DRC, like that team to me. It feels very like mediocrity because there's just so much talent, but they're missing key spots. Like that Eagles team was missing linebackers and the um and a good defensive coordinator. Namdi Asamoah was awful. And then I mean, it's married to Kerry Washington. His life could be a lot worse. Uh, basically, it just strikes me as that. That's why I compare them to. I think they're the the 2011 Eagles. So. I can see it. It's just the resemblance is striking. But hey, that's a win for the city of Cleveland at this point. <laughs> Which is so terrible to think about. Like, their teams the last three years have gone 
Owen 16 or 1 and 15, Owen 16, 7, 8, and 1. If they finish 8 and 8, that will be their best record in God knows how long. But, like, I don't get how, in the way the NFL is built now, how a team can be so bad for so long, like, that bad. And I understand, you know, there's going to be years where not every team's only going to turn it around. But if the Browns finish 8-8, eight and eight, that will be their best record since 2007. Which they made they, the playoffs that year. They went 10-6, and six, and they did not make the playoffs, but they went 10-6. and six. I thought they made the playoffs that year. Uh, according to Wikipedia, they didn't. Oh. But I, I just don't get how the Browns are so bad at drafting. It's the amount of bad head coaching hires, bad GM hires, bad ownership, bad culture. It, it becomes a cycle, really. And that and that's the unfortunate point about this. Yeah. Pray for Cleveland, I guess. At least their river's oh. not on fire. Okay. Right. Alrighty, now that we've wait, we've hit the first 24 minutes on us ranting about the headlines, let's go into our rapid fire segment about the games this week and week two. And I will figure out somewhat what somewhat in, we'll call this the menu, I guess. Let's go over the meals. First off, Thursday night football, the Bucks at the Panthers. My headline was Cam stinks, and we know it. Uh, Cam Newton looked god awful. Um, apparently, he has the highest. In, in uncatchable ball rating in the league, I didn't even know that was a stat. But the other nominees for that stat are Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins. Wow. And that and the, the, none of those guys are elite, and neither is Cam. And the Buccaneers are bad, but I think the Panthers might be worse. I think the Panthers may actually be a better team if they put Will Greer in. But I saw – gee, another way Jared was right. Huh. What do you think about Bucks Panthers, Kev? The only thing about Cam Newton that looks worse than his play on the field is his (laughs) post-game outfits. He's so bad. And I know he was an MVP four years ago. And I know that he's an athletic freak and he's big and he's built like a tight end. The Panthers honestly should move on. This is a little extreme, but it's been a couple years. He has shown that he can't reach anywhere close to the level he was as an MVP. They should trade him now because they can still probably get a first-round pick out of him. Eh, Maybe second. Even two. Listen, the, hey, listen, the Steelers need a, need a quarterback. Steelers need a quarterback? There are plenty of teams that need a quarterback right now. And look, John Gruden loves trading, loves making moves when he probably shouldn't, trading Cleo Mack, trading Amari Cooper. I can see John Gruden going, you know what? We're going to trade two first-round picks to Carolina to get Cam Newton. Just – Put some calls out. You have Will Greer. What would they spend a third round pick on him? Yeah, no, that's yeah, third early enough. This team has some pieces. They have Christian McCaffrey. They have Greg Olson. That offense could be and good. Great underrated receivers, by the way. Yeah, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, dude. I'll take those guys right now. <laughs> Seriously, they're both missile on. They're both yep. missile. You know what? Panthers training staff make up some injury about Cam. Just say something. Tell him that he. Injured his pinky and can't play quarterback. See how Will Greer does. If he does well, unload Cam. 
that's it. That's my rant. I, I love it. Uh, no, I completely agree. Next up, we got Cowboys and the Redskins. And my headline is, it's the Redskins. Calm down, America. Basically, I have seen on every goddamn network and every place, the top in the top five, you know who's in the top five power rankings? The Dallas Cowboys. Are they a top 10 team? Yes. No question. Are they one of the best teams in the NFC? Yes, probably third or fourth. Did they get a lucky break with their schedule? Oh, hell yeah. You know who they play next week? The Miami Dolphins. I'm going to save you some time there betting boys and girls. Cowboys are winning. They're, if they do, I will actually – me and Kevin will find – if the Cowboys lose next week – me and Kevin will actually think of something for me to do on the show that'll be hilarious for y'all to listen to. Me and Kevin will get back to you by the end of the show Thursday about this. All right, that's how confident I am that the Dolphins will lose to the 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 Cowboys on Sunday. It is their schedule is a joke for the first five weeks. I think they play the Jets week four. Um, the Skins can score points. We know that. Adrian Peterson, congratulations on passing Jim Brown. Cheers to uh, all day. Just keep the switches away from him. Yikes. I don't know. That's all I got about this game. Kev? I, I'm not taking anything about the Cowboys away from this. I like, Yeah, the Cowboys, they're who we thought they were. Dak Prescott played well. Thanks, Danny Green. Zeke played well. Uh, yeah, I know. I, say, I said that last week, too, but... I'm taking everything away from the Redskins about this. The Redskins are keeping up with teams reasonably well. Like, they just took two of the three best teams the NFC to the, to the cleaners. They basically, like, had Philly in the first half, and then they basically were in that game with with Dallas for most of it. And this Dallas team blew out whoever – who are they playing week one? I forget. The Giants. Yeah, oh, okay, it's the Giants. But, like, the Giants and the Redskins were considered to be two of the worst teams in the NFC. I think – the Redskins showed that they are light years ahead of the Giants. Also, Case Keenum can sling the rock. We know that. And also, that just maybe says something about how bad that Denver offense was under Vance Joseph. But um, yeah. basically, <laughs> I don't know, the Redskins are going to be like a 7-9 team to me. I, I mean, this may be more of an indictment on half. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Case Keenum may have been like, Hell, I got a raw deal in Denver. Let me see if I can pull this off. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think the Redskins are going to be a little better. I think they're going to be seven and nine. I think they're going to be better than people expect them to be. Yeah. But they're going to be a team that people should be not scared of, but should be paying attention to because they could start zero and three, zero and four in week five. They could dominate just with that. With Case Keenum, he has one of those games. And just goes out and throws four touchdowns. Yeah, I, it's you know what the I can thing see about these Bears. Is, oh yeah. Also, the like we also got to remember the Cowboys have a good defense. Like they're a top five defense, and the, the they still put up twenty one points. I'm impressed. All right. Next up, Colton Titans. Mariota is not a franchise quarterback. And until the Titans realize that, they will never be above 9-7. and seven. Um, Mariota looked average as hell. They couldn't move the ball. The only saving grace was our boy Derrick Henry. Shout out. 
Um, even though he wouldn't listen, but yeah, just he's Kevin's back in our Madden league. He's a back in like three of my fantasy leagues. I, we are both big Derrick Henry fans. Oh, him um, winning the Heisman in 2015 was beautiful. Dude, basically, when like he was rumored to possibly trade at the deadline last year, I was like, all right, Philly, come on, let's do this. Come on, Derrick Henry fits our system perfectly. And then they didn't, and then he started going off. And I'm like, I told you! Uh, But yeah, no, it's just the Colts look terrible. And the, the Mariota and the Titans look terrible. The only, my only thing on the Colts is they're the Colts without Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett's not terrible, but they scored 13 points, like, or was it 16? I can't remember. They, they scored, scored 19. 19, whatever. They scored less than 20 points. Basically, that means you're in an inept offense. Uh, <laughs> they should have scored more than 20, but Vinny missed two extra points, I think. Yeah. Because Brissett threw three touchdowns. Okay, so yeah, 19. I think uh, also Vinatieri might be retiring within the next couple weeks. So. Yeah. I, I called this, by the way, that Mariota would revert back to his form. Fair enough. As I had, I was crowning the Titans as a surprise team last week, and I will admit that right off the bat. Um, Seahawks at Steelers, one called it. Two Big Ben, ouch. Uh, out for the season, elbow injury. Uh, it's just you know, like the Steelers were winning when Big Ben went out, and afterward we saw my boy DK Metcalf go off. Uh, and Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson. You know, that was pretty much all to make it this game, really. The Seahawks are going to be a good team. They're probably going to get a wild card spot in the NFC West. If not, just miss it. So, basically, this is basically at face value what we saw before. Yeah, I there's nothing else really to add. All right. Next up, Bills and Giants. Bye-bye, Eli. Uh, basically, this was the... Nail in the Eli Eli coffin. Um, the the Bills aren't bad, but the Giants just really suck. Their defense is god awful. You know what the worst part is? Playing the Giants like playing an FCS team defensively, you really don't know what you're gonna get until they play a better team the week after. Yeah, I think the Bills are a good team. They have a really good defense. Josh Allen's a better quarterback than a lot of people thought he'd be at this point. But, <clears throat> Ark, they, yeah, they played the Giants and the Jets. Come on. Get, wait until they play a real team, and then we'll talk about how good the Bills are. New York State champs! Oh, jeez. That is true. <laughs> Shout out, Kyle Brandt. Basically, my favorite show to watch in the morning, I've applied there. So, yeah, and, um, yeah, I, I love Good Morning Football. Such a good show. Um, my mom's a Bills fan, actually, so... Go Bills, I guess. <laughs> All right. Finns in Miami. Next. Basically, what do we really need to talk about? We knew what was going to happen. Brady looked amazing, and he got the ball Antonio Brown. That's it. That um, defense, though. like I, that The Patriots' defense is incredible. That's also saying it's against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, they also look good against the Steelers last week. All right, let's, let's, I, I want to see them go against a real offense before we start crowning their defense the greatest ever. Oh, I'm not saying they're the greatest ever. I don't think they will be the greatest ever, but I think they're a very good defense. Oh, yeah. Um, I think who they play before. 
Week four. Um, I'm they play the Bills week that. four. They play the Jets next week. Ouch. Oh, my God. They play so, the Reds week five. Giants week six. <laughs> oh, my God. Week seven, uh, they play. Uh, no one. That's their bye. That's their bye week. Week eight, I think they play Philly. They play the Jets week eight. Oh, oh my God. Really? They play the Browns week nine. Oh, my God. So <laughs> they're the first half of their schedule is so easy. Then they go Browns, Ravens, Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs. So basically the Patriots might start the season off like 11-0, and then they might like lose two or three games in a row, and everyone's going to like lose their goddamn minds. But then they close out the season Bengals, Bills, Dolphins. So basically they lose a couple – they basically they win like 10 straight. They lose three straight, possibly, or lose two at least. I don't know, and that stretch, I feel like they're probably going to – Philly game, eh, Kansas City, eh, but they're probably going to beat uh, the middle team in that. I, I can't remember who they're – I think they play the Cowboys, right? They play the Cowboys and the Texans in between the Eagles and the Chiefs. All right, so they're probably going to lose two out of those four games just because it is the Patriots. Yeah, like they're but they, have, they have the Browns at home. They're playing in Baltimore against the Ravens, but that's not really – that's concerning, but not that concerning. Eagles at the link is concerning to me. Cowboys at home. It's Sunday and, night too, right? I believe so. Yeah, no, they're 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 screwed. Uh, Sunday night in Philly. Yikes. Um, Cowboys at the Cowboys and Fox doesn't concern me. Texans, that team does not concern me anymore after they showed up for the divisional round game in Letterman jackets and got blown out. And then Chiefs in Foxborough. Yeah, they've beaten us before, but those have all been early season games. I I'm not. Yeah, too I, I, Andrew Reid in September is unbeatable. Uh, basically. <laughs> So the, the uh, what I'm hearing is that basically they're going to go 15 and one. Yeah, maybe 14 and two. I mean, unless they lose to KC, I don't see them losing to the Texans. I don't see them losing to the Cowboys. Cowboys in Foxborough late season, hell nah. Oh no, I just mean that stretch of games: Browns, Ravens, Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs. I can see them dropping two of those, maybe. So maybe one to the Ravens. Because the Ravens just – the Ravens always have had the Patriots number, though. Yeah, except in the playoffs sometimes. But it is regular season. But then the Ravens complain. I mean, speaking of complainers – oh, no, that's not for another five games. All right. Um, well, no, we, we have the Saints-Rams. We can talk about that. Uh, we, you want to jump ahead to that one? I mean, what, what are we going to talk about? Raiders are the team that we kind of expect them to be getting beaten by the Chiefs. Oh, shut up. Um, Not Saints a size Rams. My headlight is the refs did it. Just kidding. The Saints suck. Basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little story about the New Orleans Saints, and it's a it's a story I've been telling for the last year. I said three things in the offseason about the Saints. One, Drew Brees looks shot after Week Eight. Two, their offense besides Kamara and Mike Thomas lacks explosiveness. Three. Their defense is opportunistic at best. They have one, they have two good, maybe three good players. Williams, Lattimore, and Cam Jordan. That's it. There's nothing else. I mean, unless you count the 12th guy on the field, Manta Taylor's girlfriend, but basically, they're not a good team. No, I, they're a mediocre team outside of the Superdome at best. And without Drew Brees, they're just awful. 
Yeah, he's out for, uh, by the way, we forgot to mention that headlines, but he's out until Thanksgiving, basically. Oh, well, hey, that way he won't be tired by week eight. He'll just be tired by week nine. Yeah. He needs to retire. His arm's shot. But, uh, yeah, basically, everyone's complaining this morning about the Saints fans complaining. I'm like, you guys are going to – oh, fine. You guys score 16 points. Your defense was going to give up a ton of points anyway. You guys couldn't stop the Ra- the Rams the entire second half. So, that's all I got for that one, I guess. Um, yeah. The Savannah Bowl, uh, Packers and Vikings. Um, my headline is, gee, I called it. I said, Packers were going to win, but Dalvin Cook was going to go off. What happened? Dalvin Cook had over 140 yards on the ground and touchdown. And the Packers won. Kirk Cousins looked like crap. Next. You got anything for that before I actually do next, Kev? No. All right. Lions and Chargers, once again, your boy called it. The Lions love playing ugly. The Chargers are not a good team without Melvin Gordon and Derwin James. I've been saying that since week one. I reiterate, the Chargers are not good without their two best players. Two out of their four. Because they still have Mike Williams and, um, what's his face? Joey Bosa. And Melvin Ingram. They have a good roster, actually. Casey Hayward. Yeah, holy crap. How do they not win games? Oh, wait. Because they're, you know, their biggest playmaker that actually makes you fear the run game is holding out. Oh, and their best defensive player is still injured. Lions are not going to be as bad as everyone thought they were. Everyone overreacted to week one because the Cardinals are better than we thought they were. Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh what were you going to say, Kev? Oh, I thought you were done, and I didn't want that awkward pause again. Okay. I think Detroit, as the season goes on, I think they're only going to get better. Because like you said, they love playing dirt. Not dirty, but because they're not it's like Matt a cheap- Patricia, dude. He He's a Belichick disciple. Why don't we dirty in the sense like they're not like Greg no, Williams I mean, like, he telling loves people getting the game like not clean like it's turnovers it's sloppy it's penalties yeah. it's you know it's making the game ugly ugly is a better way I I want to clarify I didn't mean like they're not like Greg Williams telling his players to take out their star receiver in the preseason shout out um I can see as the season goes on and players are tired and start injuries start piling up. I can see the Lions winning more games like this. They're just they're getting down and dirty, and it's an ugly game, and they find a way to win. You know what? I'm telling you right now, Packers defense is better than I thought they were. But the Lions are going to be that team on their tail at the end of the year. If if <laughs> um, Packers roll into a Ford Field, I got the Lions. That team can make games real ugly. And that Darius Slay pick at the end was clutch as hell. All right. 49ers at the Bungles. The Bungles suck. Uh, last week was an aberration. And basically, John Ross can still ball. He's still a damn good receiver. Gee, Kevin's looking like our Madden League, the way John Ross is balling out right now. As I beat Kevin this, mor- this afternoon in Madden. Really want to get into that? 
<laughs> not really. Yeah, Kevin's but, uh, a little pissed off about it. Um, the 49ers, Cal Shanahan may be the smartest guy in that division. That dude is getting receivers high school open. Like, there's like a throwing lane that you and me could hit in our sleep. It's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. And, I mean, yes, they still have to play a legit team, but I don't know. We're not as dangerous to me. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. Yeah, no, I I think Jimmy Garoppolo, healthy, can be a very good quarterback. I think he still has some growing to do in terms of his ability and his reads. But I think in a couple of years, he could be a very good quarterback. And this 49ers defense could be a very, very good team with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, basically. Also, um, Joe Mixon, 17 yards. Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, because he's on not two of my fantasy teams. Oof. Yeah, all right. I get into patterns a lot, especially when I'm in multiple leagues. Um, next up, Cards-Ravens. Lamar and Hollywood. That's a legit connection. Hollywood Brown, of course, is Marquise Brown, their first-round pick. Um, Lamar looked good. But side note, the Cardinals are not a bad team. They're going to be like 7-9. They're not going to have the worst record in football. Like, they can score points, and Kyler is not bad. Because that Ravens defense is very good. Yeah, I I think Kyler's actually showing he belongs in this league, and taking him first overall isn't that ridiculous, even with his height. Dude threw for 349 yards, which is not easy to do. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he's, what, one of the two quarterbacks out of that draft class is starting? Potentially? Yeah, Daniel Jones is back because it was him. Oh, no, no, no. Three because of uh, our boy from Jacksonville, the American hero. Oh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, who literally stretches in a jock strap before the game. Greatest tweet by an NFL reporter ever, by the way. It should be four because Will Greer should be starting, but. Yeah, but. I mean, the new owner, who knows? Cam looks like he's trying to he's trying to dress like Miss Daisy right now. Anyway, so who knows? Uh, they might the owner might just be like Cam, go focus on your fashion. Put the put the kid from West Virginia, and he's basically a better quarterback than you anyway. Um, even when he's not on steroids. Exactly. Uh, all right, next up, Chiefs and Raiders. The headline that escalated quickly. <laughs> the Raiders in the first quarter. It was competitive. The Raiders were in it. And then Patrick Mahomes in the second quarter, four touchdowns, and that basically was the game. There was no scoring in the second half, basically. Uh, 28 to 10, I believe, was the final. Yep. Uh, well, shout out to the Raiders for keeping the Chiefs in check the entire second half, but they couldn't score. The Raiders, I feel like, are going to be like an 8-8 eight and eight team. They're not bad, but the Chiefs just, like, just exploded on them. And it, it, it just, you know... You can't really stop Mahomes once he gets rolling unless, you know, D4 goes off sides. <clears throat> hey, a win's a win. Uh, yeah. How much, did, how much did Belichick pay pay him to go over the line? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's basically all I got. That game was Mahomes was being Mahomes. Uh, no Tyree kill, no problem. What was it, 298 yards in the second quarter? Yeah, it was, rid- it was just ridiculous. Jesus. I mean, the Raiders, I think, just didn't walk onto the field the entire second quarter. Um, Bears and Broncos. 
The refs did it, 2.0. Basically, uh, last drive of the game, Bradley Chubb, one of the best young pass rushers in the league, slams Trubisky to the ground. Completely legal hit. Hear that, Bears fans? The refs screwed the Broncos over. Y'all didn't deserve that win. Y'all still suck. Um, I, I kind of want the Bron- Bron- Bears to go in 16, but I have personal, professional reasons for that, I guess. Um, basically, we're 1 in 15 now because the refs, the refs handed them that game. Uh, basically, he slams Trubisky to the ground. They throw a uh, roughing the passer penalty, but if you look at the film and you look at the definition of the rule, in no way, shape, or form is a legal tackle where there was no helmet-to-helmet contact, there was no contact with the knees, and it was basically a straight-on blindside hit. Is it legal? But to the refs, that's roughing the passer. And Bradley Chubb, you can even see in the video, loses his crap when they throw the penalty. And basically it allowed the uh, Bears to get down the field and kick a field goal with their new guy, Eddie Money. RIP to the real Eddie Money. He died like three days ago. RIP. Uh, but yeah, but this new guy, Eddie Pinheiro, it's a 58-yarder to escape Denver. So yeah, it happened. Kev, you got anything before we go to SNF? Bears found a kicker. Maybe. You know, to be fair, Cody Parkey basically scored like almost all their points in that playoff game last year. Yeah, it's like Mitch. Blair Walsh a couple years ago for the Vikings. The Blair Kick Project. He he scored all their points in that game, missed the game winner after his offense did nothing, and then became the pariah and got cut. And still has no job. Yeah. Um, No, actually, I think he's on a team now. Is he on the Jets? I think he's maybe. I don't know. We'll look that up. Right. Um, well, hey, uh, Mitch, how about you try to score a point during the playoff games this year so your kicker doesn't get cut because you suck? They're not going to make the playoffs, Kevin. <laughs> They're the third best team in that division, possibly fourth. Right. Hey, Mitch, if you make the playoffs this year, try to your job is to put the ball in the end zone in a receiver's hands or run it in, whatever you want. Try to do that so no one gets cut due to your inability to do your job. Also, quick side note, if you ever watch Mitch throw – the ball dies on his, the ball dies on his throws at 25 yards. Like it literally looks like the just velocity tails off. Like Mahomes, Wentz, even Cam Newton to extent, Roethlisberger, even your boy Brady back in the day, that ball just keeps floating. Even Brady it, now. Brady like at 30 yards can still zing it. It's not but like Trubisky just like I don't see it. I really don't see it. There's a reason he only started one year at North Carolina. Yeah. He got lucky against my Hurricanes. And North uh, Carolina is not a football school. They're a basketball. If you're school. only starting one year there, you're probably shouldn't be a early first round pick. Also, it was John Fox's regime that drafted him. Let's let's remember that. Meanwhile, the quarterback they should have taken threw for 443 yards and four touchdowns yesterday. Yeah, time. and the other quarterback they should have taken basically is the only reason the Texans are still relevant. Yeah. Last but not least, Sunday Night Football. This was the Eagles' trap game. That's the headline. Basically, every year, the Philadelphia Eagles lose a game in week two or three or four, and it's ugly. It's just not fu- It's just not a pretty game. The Eagles make a comeback at the end, but they fall short. It happened last year against Tampa. It happened the year before against Kansas City. It happened this year against Atlanta. 
the Atlanta players are like dancing all over the locker room, like, "Woo, you finally beat the Eagles for the first time in four years. Good for you." Yeah, it's 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 like you know, I I don't know what to say really. It's just you know, Philadelphia was missing Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffries from like play four. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was in concussion protocol for about 20 minutes. So was Jason Kelsey. So was uh, Carson Wentz. I had never seen Carson Wentz swear on national television. I witnessed it on Sunday. The Lions secondary should be terrified. When a good Jesus-believing boy like Carson Wentz starts swearing on national television, you should be ter- You should be scared. That boy's going to unleash the unholy wrath of God on him. But basically... Wentz play, balled out of his mind in the second half and brought Philly right right to it. They lost by inches. Not even kidding. If you watched the last play, uh, Jim Schwartz basically blew the game on that uh, all-out blitz, and Julio got the screen. There was a block in the back on that, but you know you can't win every call. Um, Philly is a good team. Carson Wentz showed me that he is a leader in that game. He's elite. Most quarterbacks, namely the one on the other side of the ball, if they were down. By a touchdown and a half and losing and they're all the receivers were out, Matt Ryan would have rolled over. So would Baker Mayfield. So would Sam Darnold. So would Josh Rosen. So would Cam Newton. Uh, Jerry's out in Lamar Jackson, but, you know, so would Jared Goff. I could keep going down the list. There's seven quarterbacks in this league, including Wentz, maybe eight, that would not roll over after losing their two best targets. Have getting your getting knocked out of the game for a series, and then coming back and basically to a certain point winning the game. Oh, and running in for the touchdown after you had two season-ending injuries the last two years. Just you know, Carson showed me not only is he deserving of a top a top ten quarterback, he also is the leader of this Eagles team and the quarterback that Eagle the Eagles will ride to a title with the next couple of years. Just uh, just that game proved it to me. The guy just wouldn't say die. Don't love the picks. Yeah, uh, that first half, we're not going to talk about that. Basically, the first half... Uh, so he also, also, if you look at the film, though, one of the picks was just a bad route run by Matt Collins. And it really comes down to the fact that he didn't work at all with Matt Collins or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside the, enti- Whiteside the entire preseason. Like these guys basically got no work with Wentz. So that's all ball chemistry. If you look at the film, the, the first one was bad because basically he got his, he threw it, and he tried to force a throw. The second one was basically lack of communication. But um, honestly, Matt Ryan's picks are worse. So Yeah, but he won, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, Julio won. Matt Ryan didn't. Yeah, just like when you play Madden. No, DK Metcalf won that game for me. Julio only Julio only had one touchdown against you. And no, he had 250 two, yards. He had two and 250, but DK Metcalf had four touchdowns on you. Yeah, uh, I like to throw the ball in Madden, and Kevin's secondary got assaulted. Yeah, Kevin, just throw, Kevin just throws a Tyree kill all the time because nobody can cover him. Because you were in press coverage with one safety high. True. Uh, I play a very aggressive. I have, I have Clowney, Graham, Jarrett, and Von Miller as my pass rushers. Generally, unless generally I can get away with playing one safety high, but against Kevin, I cannot. Um, that about wraps it up for the NFL games. We will show. We will review our records. Also, pick our six pack for next week. 
for this weekend's games coming up on the Thursday show. Next uh, now, also by the way, so uh, when Savannah returns from her vacation, we will be revealing her new segment. Uh, we are very proud of her. You know, she's been a very big addition to our show, and she will of course be getting her own segment. And I'm excited for it, but I feel like also she got on my case for for changing my pick during the Packers Vikings game. So it also I'm a little scared. Uh, Kevin, speaking of segments, it is time for weird crap in sports. Kev, take it away. So I'm going to take us all down memory lane, and I'm going to tell you two teams' records against the spread in two seasons. One comes from the 2008 season. This team went 7-9 and nine, uh, versus the line, so they covered seven times and didn't nine times. Another team from the 2017 season, they went 4-12 and 12 versus the line. Can you guess what those two teams are, Jared? I guess nope. you can't. Uh, oh. Uh, I feel like it's the Patriots. No. Dolphins? They're two different teams. Okay. Shoot. 2008 was the Detroit Lions that went 0-16. Okay. 2017 was the Cleveland Browns who went 0-16. Huh. Both of those teams, the Lions were never more than 17-point underdogs. And that was week 14 against Indy. And in 2017, the Browns were never more than 13.5-point underdogs against the Chargers. Uh, the Dolphins this weekend are 19.5-point underdogs to the Cowboys. They were 20-plus-point underdogs to the Patriots. Oh, my God. And I can – with spreads this ridiculous, uh, the team should be covering every week. Bet the over. The Dolphins aren't. The, I think the Dolphins are the worst team we've ever seen in NFL history. And that goes all the way back to 1976 – when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went 0-14 in their first year in the league, I can see the Dolphins going 0-16, going 0-16 versus the line, and not being favored in any game. And there have been 100 years of NFL football, and that's why this is my weird shit in sports. To say that this team is objectively the worst team is ridiculous, considering how many teams have played, how many games have been played. But I am confident that at the end of the year, we're going to look back and go, yeah, they were the worst. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who Fitzmagic is dead. They have Josh Rosen, a guy who they didn't even know if he wanted to play professional football. And one of their best players, Mick Fitzpatrick, gone. Kenyon Kenny Drake, Stills, gone. Kenny Stills, gone. Larry Tunsil, gone. Kenyon Drake right now is probably their best player. And if Kenyon Drake's the best player on your team, I think, and I love him, but I think that's enough to say this is the worst team. Also, he's not ever getting seen. any playing time now. Keelan no. Lodge is getting more snaps than he is because they're trying to trade Kenyon Drake too. Yeah. I think the Dolphins should go all in on the tank. Trade Kenyon Drake. Trade Devontae Parker. Trade whoever else you want to. Trade my boy Wilson. Albert Wilson. The speedster. Trade them all. Get as many first round picks as you can. And then. With that number one overall pick, I want you guys down in Miami to do one thing for me. Don't draft Tua. Draft Jake Fromm. <laughs> or, you know, draft Justin Hebert, actually. 
or unload that pick and then draft Trevor Lawrence next year. I would also love that. Because you don't want to play against Tua. You don't want Tua to play against your favorite team. I don't care. If the Bills or the Jets draft Tua, that's fine. I don't want to see Tua's career be wasted in Miami. I, I would feel like – okay, so, like, before you say that, the way the Bills are trying to sh- – the, the Dolphins are trying to shop picks, they can probably get a second rounder for Drake, second, third rounder, maybe fourth. They can probably get a uh, – another second mid-rounder for um Parker. They already have a pick from the Steelers, and they already have a pick from themselves. Steelers are probably going to be one of the ten worst teams in the league. Uh, and the Dolphins will be the worst team in the league. So, I have a bold prediction for you, Kev, before we go to the last call. The Dolphins will make the playoffs in the next four years. Not if they draft a quarterback. I didn't say they were going to draft a quarterback first. No, if they draft a quarterback first, they're not going to. Because a team of mostly rookie starters won't will win some games just purely based on talent, but they're not going to be a good team. And any quarterback you draft first overall, you want to plug and play. And if you do that with a team mostly made of rookies, unless they can swing Jerry Judy as well to keep to his confidence up and give him a go-to guy right out of the gates, the his confidence will be shot as anyone would be in that situation. And you're not going to win with him. And then you're going to have to find a new quarterback. Here's the thing. I think there's enough good quarterbacks in this draft where if they use the Steelers pick to go get a quarterback and they draft like a defensive or offensive lineman with the first pick and then go get skill position players with their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, they could slowly build that team up. I honestly, I'm, and it's not going to happen. They're going to probably go like four and 12 next year, five and 11. They're going to probably get another top 10 pick, get another old lineman. They're going to do the Cowboys method. They're going to keep building old lineman. I can see Brian Flores is not an idiot. He's not a dumb player. He's a, he's a Belichick disciple. He's not a dumb coach by any stretch. I could see this working in a couple of years. They should package Devontae Parker and Kenyon Drake, try to get a late first rounder, then draft Judy one, someone with the Pitts, uh, an offensive line with the Pittsburgh pick, and then Hebert or Fromm at quarterback to just feed Judy the ball to put asses in the seats and sell tickets. Fair. Maybe we'll get a, uh, a running back like my boy out of the Canes. Senior DJ Dallas had a hat trick this weekend. Uh, speaking of the Canes, let's kick that smooth jazz. So feel good moment this morning, boys and girls. We have two parts this week. So Jimmy Murphy of Avon, Connecticut, is a special teams player and practice squad guy for the Miami Hurricanes. The little 5-7 bundle of sparks scored a touchdown in their win over Bethune-Cookman on Saturday. But it looked like a moment out of Rudy. The guy run, ran hard as hell, where nothing, like, you know, like most guys have, like, gloves. This guy's barehanded, no sweatpants, no sweatbands, just literally wearing his jersey, his, his cleats, whatever, like, the basic uniform. Got bare hands, takes the hand off, rams the guy at Bethune-Cookman, rolls into the end zone. Then he's so amped up, he does a like a half somersault front flip in the middle of the field, gets a penalty for it. Then gets carried off the field by his teammates or off the bench after he gets his touchdown range. You know, Miami's has touchdown range and stuff. Because, you know, it's Miami. 
It was a great moment of sports. It may, it was a feel good moment. If you haven't watched it, it's on my Twitter at Belly Up Jared. It's one of the things I shared like the last couple days. It is a great moment for the Canes. I don't know what I'm more hyped about this or the Al or Al Blades doing his dad's old chant about the hit stick bust uh, di something K chant. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. The Al Blades 33 chant. But basically, Al Blades' kid, Al Blades Jr., one of our starting corners. Broke that out during the game, and that made me feel nostalgic inside. So I'm like, oh my god, Canes, man. But, uh, it, you know, the Jimmy Murphy thing was really cool. But now we're gonna go to the most serious time. This is probably gonna be another 10 minute rant, so we're probably gonna finish about an hour and 13 today. Tim Tebow was on ESPN talking to Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman about the bill out in California, which really I haven't covered much on because honestly I didn't pay much attention to it until Tim Tebow opened his mouth. He talked about how he didn't care about the money. He was just honored to play for his school, and that should be enough. Tim, shut the hell up. I'm going to tell you a couple stories here. I knew kids from my college, a D2 school, who got just enough money to help pay for their tuition, but were struggling to make money and weren't allowed to have jobs. Half these kids had to get secret jobs as bouncers or club promoters, like things that paid off just cash, just to help pay for food, gas, clothes, whatever. The NCAA rule about not paying athletes is bullshit. They, they profit on an amateur status that basically to, yes, in sports like gymnastics, where these guys are allowed to go into these tournaments and then come back and compete in the college thing later. Like, I think Sean Johnson, didn't she compete at like age 16 in the Olympics? There's there's a kind of a weird thing with football and basketball, the two biggest sports that have the problem, where these guys are basically being capitalized on... Well, Kevin, you went to Alabama. You know this. Alabama's... You may not know this. I don't know. But the their, rec- their numbers for enrollment skyrocketed after the first title and have continued to skyrocket since because they are the reigning dynasty in college football. The football team, not just the universities, but the NCAA makes millions every year. And a lot of these players come from some low-income neighborhoods. Shout, to, here's one. Darren McFadden came, went to Arkansas. He's probably one of the most famous Razorbacks the last 20 years of college football. Basically, he had four brothers and sisters and basically no income growing up. You throw in Adrian Peterson, who's from one of the most poorest towns in Texas. Josh Jacobs literally lived out of his Josh car. Josh lives in a goddamn car. Do I have to keep repeating myself? Michael Irvin, some of these guys from Miami, you hear these stories from the U, these guys had nothing growing up, growing up in Miami back in the 80s. And even now, like, the lower-income neighborhood families and stuff, it just... Santiba should shut the hell up. He doesn't know where he's coming from because half these schools could not give a shit about these players the second they... Like, if... And you know, it's so funny. I was watching season five of Ballers. Yeah, a show everyone makes fun of because it's kind of just... It's it's like a weird version of Entourage makes football and it's kind of like, you know, frat boyish kind of whatever. But they touched on this and how the NCAA base... And this is... It's, it's true. The NCAA basically is all about keeping this amateur status. But these... A lot of these colleges really don't really care about these players the second they stop making them money. And I got in a hour arguing with my dad about this. He's like, what about the people who, uh, the students 
supposed to pay tuition. They should, it should go back to tuition, lower tuition. I'm like, Dad, it never happened. Greed is a thing in this world. But at least make it fair for these guys who could not afford to go to this college if they didn't play football to get in. I'm not talking like, I'm not talking, yeah, like maybe not like the walk-ons, but the guys who are on scholarship who cannot play. Like, it's, it's not, it, yeah, this whole system is not fair to these players. And it may only be a certain small segment of money they get, but that small segment of money might buy the groceries for a week. Or, you know, pay for their rent at their apartment their parents are barely helping them keep on to. And yes, everyone's like, oh, but they get paid behind the background. But when this, like, legalizing marijuana kind of bring it to the forefront so it can be regulated if you really wanted to go down that can of worms basically Tim Tebow should shut the hell up Tebow grew up in a very well not like super wealthy but wealthy enough family he was a full rise scholarship athlete and has made money playing baseball playing football or you know being a broadcaster ever since some of these kids who come from these low income neighborhoods if they don't make it to the NFL, that's it. They might not have a good degree. They might not be able to go get jobs right away. So, Tim Tebow, shut the hell up. To the NCAA, let this happen. Even if it's just at a small scale, like small stipend, like the ex-player X who grew up in Crenshaw, Compton, California, gets $200 a week off of doing doing an endorsement deal with like a tattoo parlor or a car dealership. Because he plays at USC. That's fine. Let these kids make money. Because every every peer of theirs can go out and get a job. Kevin, you were full ride in Alabama. You had a job. You were able to make money. It's not fair to these kids. Especially a lot of them who cannot, whose parents cannot afford to send them money to pay for their food. Or pay for things outside of, you know, room and board and books. That's all I got. Yeah, I think... Uh, just these kids are also so important to the economy of the towns these schools are in. Like grow, going to school in Tuscaloosa, you see a lot of these businesses would not. And I worked at a small family-owned athletic apparel snot, like like Alabama apparel store right next to the stadium. And we were told without football season, they would not be able to stay open. They couldn't make the money they needed to. And that's a lot of the businesses. These kids are so important to the economy of these towns. They are bringing in millions of dollars, if not more, to these small towns. Like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama. You think places like that or Athens, Georgia are going to be making money and be a, somewhere people want to live? No. It's because of these football programs, why these towns get people in there, how these people make their livelihood. And denying even, even, the, in, ba- even in basketball, too. Dude. Yeah. These, like Gonzaga... Dude, I don't even know where Gonzaga is in Washington, but it's up there. It's in some nowhere town, and basically that entire economy is basically based on the same thing. You want to talk about uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill? The only reason I know that's a town, Durham, North Carolina, Duke. It's the only reason I know those those towns exist is because of their college programs. And people are making their livelihoods off of these kids. And I'm not saying that the people who sell Duke gear and Alabama and Auburn gear and North Carolina gear are taking advantage of these kids but these people are making their livelihoods because of these kids abilities athletic abilities it's only right that 
these kids should also be able to profit off of those. Amen. Uh, so that about wraps it up for us today. We, of course, will have our show later in the week. Uh, of course, Savannah is on vacation, but she will still get her picks in. Um, I did okay last week. I think I got four games wrong. So I think I shot I 11. I think I did horribly. I think I shot 11 and four this week. Uh, but that all wraps up for me. I'm Jared. That's Kevin. And we will talk to you guys later in the week. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.